Welcome to the Northridge Church Podcast, a weekly rewind of Sunday's talk. Hey, I want to welcome you guys as well. It's so good to see you. It is, it's great to go. I had a chance to leave uh, for five days or so with Dana and Dax and Dana's family. We went to Charleston and uh, had a great time there of looking at houses. I don't know that I can see another house that was built in the 1700s. I think I'm housed out, uh, but not beached out. So I don't know what that means. Actually, I do know what that means. But, uh, but it was great to go on vacation, great to be with my family, great also to be back with you here today, and uh, so happy that we are connected together. Uh, whether you're in this room or you're online watching, uh, we're continuing on looking at uh, the invisible war. We've been dealing with the, the war, the battles that we face internally. Today we're going to be looking at the battles that we face when the world comes in on us and our lives are crashing upon us, down upon us. We're going to talk about today in the next few minutes of what do we do when we find that our worlds fall apart, when our world, when our life, when the things that we have carved out and we have built in our, within our families, when those things fall apart, what do you do? What do you do? When, when you get the call and it is the dreaded word that you have cancer, what do you do? When the boss calls you into the, your office or into his office and says, I'm sorry, but we have to downsize. What do you do? What do you do at a, a time like that? How do you handle life when a loved one walks out the door? When someone you love and adore passes from this mortal coil? What do you do when an accident hits you and all of a sudden all of your plans are moot and your Wealth is drained away from seeing a myriad of doctors going through incredible amounts of rehab and experiencing loss of work. How do you deal with those things? These are the questions that an Old Testament prophet named Jeremiah asked thousands of years ago. In Jeremiah's life, his nation was decimated, Israel. Israel experienced economic crisis in this season Their land was terrorized by a foreign enemy. People were being enslaved and trafficked out of their country. They were oppressed and pressed into slavery. Jeremiah saw all kinds of suffering. Make no mistake, Jeremiah witnessed suffering that you and I would have no clue people would go through. People were starving to death in Jeremiah's day, and there seemed to be no relenting from all of these struggles and all of these battles that they were facing. In this season, Jeremiah wrote two books, one named after himself called the book of Jeremiah, and the other a book called Lamentations. Most of us are probably somewhat vaguely familiar with the book of Jeremiah. Many of us probably have no clue, probably never even looked at or read any passages from the book of Lamentations because it's a very small book found in the Old Testament. Matter of fact, if you have a copy of scriptures, that's where we're going to be at today. Uh, If you have an old school Bible and you got to flip to it, Lamentations is found right behind Jeremiah. And Jeremiah is a fairly large book in the Old Testament, so that's a bit easier to find. 
Find Jeremiah, then flip to the end, and you will be into Lamentations. But Lamentations can be a bit of a conundrum. You know, what is this book about? Know that the word lamentation is a word that we don't use very long, very much or very often. It, it means to complain. So this book is literally the book of complaints, literally. When I unload my sin to God, that is called confessing. Understand? But when I unload my complaints, that is called lamenting, lamenting. Literally, the book of Lamentations is one man complaining to God about all the struggles that he, his people, his nation are facing. There are even times in this book where Jeremiah is aiming his complaints directly, squarely on the shoulders of God. Not a very positive book, nor is it a fun book. But right in the middle of this book, there's a very positive message, one on how to handle life in the middle of crisis. We see the instruction on how to rebuild our life after it is knocked down. We will look at several actions today to take when you're dealing with the fallout, when the world battles against you and knocks you down. And hear me clearly, let me just say this. I hope every person in this room, I hope every person that's streaming this service today or every person that's watching the playback of this time in perpetuity does not need to hear this message right now. That's my hope. That's my prayer. That's my wish. I hope every person in this room, your world is strong and it's stable. But I'm telling you, no matter where you're at in life, take good notes today because you will need these notes someday, if not today. You need to know what to do when your life is collapsing around you because I promise you, if your life has never collapsed, it will. It will. That's part of what doing life on planet Earth is about. The first lesson that we need to learn to, is to give ourselves permission to unload our frustration on God. What do you do when your life is falling apart and your world is collapsing around you? Unload your frustration on God. I need to tell God exactly how I feel. Some would call this a catharsis, if you will. But by telling God how you're feeling, you're, you're making yourself, you're getting yourself on an even keel. Complain to him and express all your grief, all your anger, all your fear. Jeremiah here in Lamentations is saying, God, I don't like what is going on in my life. I'm tired of this. Why are you doing this to me? Why is this happening to me? Why are you allowing this to happen to me? He lets God, Jeremiah lets God have both barrels of his emotional fury. We can just see this if we just even look at just a few verses in Lamentation. Uh, Lamentation chapter 3, starting at verse 1, Jeremiah writes, I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again all day long, Jeremiah writes about God. He has made my skin and my flesh grow old and has broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. 
He has made me dwell in darkness like those who are long dead. Notice here in this verse, Jeremiah is directing this squarely at God. He's not saying Babylon or the enemies of Israel are doing this to him. He's not even saying the people of God are doing this to him. He's saying, God, you're doing these things to me. He's directing this message toward God. Imagine, friends, writing a worship song with this passage in mind. Imagine, uh, you, you'll never find this verse on a t-shirt in some pithy statement, will you, to encourage you. You'll never go to a marathon or a half marathon or any kind of race and find someone uh, writing, scrawling down Lamentations 3 on a poster board and standing outside trying to cheer the runners on with this verse, uh, will you? It's not a very encouraging passage, is it? These kinds of complaints are found in five chapters of Lamentations. I mean, he is really complaining to God about God. Can you imagine? Why would God allow this kind of passage to be in his Bible, I ask you? Could it be that God wants you to know that he can handle your anger? He can handle your disappointment? He can deal with your gripes? And he can deal with your grief. Here, God is allowing Jeremiah to just blow off steam. And you notice the response that God, God doesn't give a response saying, I'm about to crush you. I'm going to destroy you because how dare you talk to the Almighty in such terse terms. No, God, God is just silent here. God, it seems like God is just saying, go ahead and tell me how you're feeling. Give me all your complaints. It was okay for Jeremiah to share how he was ticked off. And hear this clearly, friends. Hear this clearly. Some of you need to hear this clearly. It's okay for you to share how ticked off you are with life or with your family or with God himself sometimes in your life. It needs, you need to have permission to be able to do that. God does not... You know, to be clear here, God does not owe you an explanation for everything that happens in your life. I want to make that clear, okay? God is God and you are not. And there will be a lot that happens to you that you will not have any explanation or understanding of, at least not until the other side of eternity. But in the midst of that, understand this. God's shoulders are broad enough to handle your and my temper tantrums, and our complaints, friends. He will not love you less because you are being honest with him. When I have let it all out, then I come to a second action that I must take to rebuild the things in my life that have been destroyed. What do I have to do? After I, after I share with God exactly how I'm feeling and I share with him exactly what I'm thinking of life and of him and of, of just what my situation is, I find in order to continue the process of rebuilding, I have to shift my focus. We must shift our focus. We must shift our focus from our pain and our problems to God's love. I might be mad at God. I might be railing at him and raging against him. But I need to remember that it, in that very moment, he loves me and his love never fails. As long as I am focusing on my pain, I will not experience any kind of revel 
resolution of any kind. Uh, Lamentations 3, Paul, or Paul, not Paul, Jeremiah continues to write in verse 19. Get this, he says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. Do you see this picture here? I mean, life is painful for Jeremiah. It's like gall, you know, that that terrible stuff you taste in the back of your throat sometimes when you've eaten too many carbs too late at night, right? He, he's saying this, this is what life is like. And verse 20 says, I will remember them and my soul is downcast within me. When Paul, remem- or Paul, when Jeremiah remembers these things, he, he is downcast. And he continues to write in verse 21, yet, yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. When when Jeremiah is thinking about his travails and his troubles, gall comes to his throat. His life is bitter and he is downcast, but when he remembers God's love and his unfailing provision, he he his life is is improved. Jeremiah writes, thinking about my pain is great bitterness. This is a reference to the poisoning of the soul and the body. Bitterness, who does it hurt? It, it, turns, it turns you, it hurts you primarily. You're, you're not going to experience healing until you get rid of the bitterness that is in your life. Uh, this week I was reading an article about bitterness and, and the writer said, bitterness is like, imagine Two people, you and the person you're bitter at or the situation you're bitter at, sitting across the table from you. And right in the middle of the table is a poison called bitterness. And what happens when bitterness takes control of your life? It's you drinking the cup of poison and assuming that the person that you're sitting across is going to die. That's a true statement, isn't it? You take in that bitterness, know that it's only hurting you. It's not hurting the person you're aiming the bitterness at. So where can you find your hope? Where can we find our hope? Well, let's just continue on in verse 22. We read that, but let's read it again. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I have to say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. This passage, I just read a mouthful. I mean, quite literally, I don't need to expound on this. We probably don't need to say another word about this passage. What I'm going to do is reread this passage again And I ask you a simple question as a participant, as a part of this worship experience, is just think on these verses. Allow them to wash over your soul. And the question I ask you is which one of these verses, if one, do you especially need right now? Is there a verse that you go, I need to own this. I need to think on this verse often in my life at this moment to bring me hope to bring me into a place where I can find hope in God. Let me reread the passage. Verse 22, Because of the Lord's great love, 
we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Hey, if you're online right now, there, Heather's, Heather's online with you. And, you know, perhaps you might share what, what one of those verses do you need to claim in your life right now? Maybe you just share that in the message bar and you have that discussion online. In the room right now, I just, I just simply ask the question. And if you just want to think through it on your own, that's fine. If you want to vocalize in this moment and answer my question, I, I welcome that. I ask you in this room, is there a verse? You don't have to tell me. Matter of fact, it wouldn't be appropriate for you to share right now what maybe your life and what's going on in your life. But it would be appropriate if you just simply pop up and or just shout out the verse that you say, man, I need that right now. I need this verse in my life right now. Is there a verse that speaks to you as we've read this passage a couple of times? Is there a passage here that you go, yes, Lord, I hear you loud and clear in this moment, in this time? Yeah, Vicki. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Anyone else? And here, oh, did I hear someone? Verse 25. Let me read that. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? I don't want to move, if you want to share, I don't want to move too fast. And I know there's many people here, I, I expect that there's many people here that, that you're thinking of a verse, you just don't want to vocalize, and that's okay. What I would say to you right now is if a verse really popped to you, then what do you do? You need to mark it down. You need to go to that verse often. You need to go to that verse daily. I would even challenge you to memorize that verse. If you can memorize your address, if you can memorize a person's telephone number, if you can memorize your path to work, then guess what? You have the cognitive ability to memorize scripture as well. And so I would challenge you to memorize the passage that's popping to you at this moment. And then we continue on in verse 28. And Jeremiah writes, let him sit alone in silence for the Lord has laid it on him. Let him bury his face in the dust. There may yet be hope, Jeremiah writes. What is he talking about here? Jeremiah is saying in order to continue to rebuild life, you have to get alone with God, be quiet, and wait. Pastor Dave has shared that in his life when his world fell apart, that there was a season where he just waited, right, Dave? And he was quiet in that season. He was listening, and there were many a day that you heard nothing, right, Dave? And it was just silent. The heavens were made of brass in those moments. Yet what did Dave do in those times? He was quiet, and he waited. This is the third step when dealing with a battle that 
that is thrown at you by the world around you. Now, what does it mean to wait on God? It means, here, get, you ready? You ready? This is a very deep theological premise. Very hard for people to capture it, okay? So just be prepared. I mean, you know, I, I, grant I, have, a, I have a master's in theology, so, you know, I, I'm sharp on this stuff, but, but you all don't. So I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to try to take this very complicated principle here and explain it to you. You ready? What does it mean to, to wait upon God? Here's what, what you do. It means you sit down. Okay, you ready? You sit down and you shut up. There you go. Sit down and shut up. It means, and for the record, if you don't know me, you know, guess someone watching this, you're thinking, that jerk is smug. I hope you realize I was joking. I was joking about the education thing, okay? I was teasing there. What does it mean to wait on God? It means that we just be quiet and we stop the pace in our life and we sit down for even just a few minutes. It means, it means to quiet your life, to lower the RPMs in that moment. Don't say anything. Don't do anything. Just be quiet and listen. Listen. It, a quiet time, this be, waiting on God is not you getting in your car, turning on the radio, and rushing to the next appointment saying, oh, I, I'm having some time with God right now. I'm having some quiet time. No, you're not. You're rushing through work, trying to, get, you're trying to multitask on that part, something that we as Americans are very proud of how the ability that we have to do and, and, and make six or seven things happen. That's not waiting on God. Hear me clearly, too. When I'm talking about this, waiting on God, I'm not talking about a quiet time. I'm not talking about your devotion time. Most of us have never sat in silence for 10 minutes in a day waiting on God's presence. Oh, when we find ourselves having to wait, whether it's a doctor's office, at a line, uh, having to wait uh, at a, uh, at a uh, you know, perhaps to get our car washed or wait at a, at a red light, we find that a distraction, we find that an inconvenience. But I'm telling you that there are times in our lives that we just need to be quiet and sit in silence. I would tell you this, from my personal experience, when I began the practice of just taking 10 minutes to just stop everything and just to say, God, I'm here right now and I realize you're in the room with me and I'm just asking you, speak to me. What do you need to communicate to me now? I am listening to the best of my ability. When I pray that prayer to him and I just sit for 10 minutes, I have been amazed at how the Lord deals with my stress, he deals with my anxiety, he deals with my life. Today, I challenge you, I challenge you, every person that's hearing this talk, for the next seven days, would you say, God, I will spend 10 minutes every day just waiting on your presence, just being quiet and making space for you to speak to me. You, you can read your Bible after that. You should read your Bible after that. You can pray after that. You should pray after that. But just take time. Just start that your time out by saying, God, is there anything you want to say to me? Then be quiet and wait. Be quiet and wait. You will be amazed. You will be amazed at the strength, the encouragement, the insight you will gain over the long haul with this simple discipline, with this simple practice being incorporated into your life. Now, once you are doing these things, then begin to change the things that you can change. That's 
what I say to you when we are talking about how do we rebuild our lives. The reality is there are a lot of things that, that you and I cannot change. You won't change your past. You cannot change your parents. You won't be able to change how God has gifted you or how he has denied some giftings in your life. If you have a handicap or you lost a loved one, can't change those things. Sometimes we simply have to accept the things that we are encountering as things that cannot be changed. And for the record, I argue that's a, that's a spiritual practice. It's called submission before God, realizing that you're not God and you can't change everything in your life, and that's okay. Peace will come to you as you learn to accept things that you cannot change because that's where faith has a chance to come in. And faith is facing the facts in your life and in my life that are unchangeable and not becoming discouraged because of them, right? While I submit to those things, though, uh, while I submit to those things that will not change or cannot change, I take responsibility for what I can change. Understand? So what can be changed? Now, you find in your life someone walked out on you, or you lost a current job, or someone's passed away. As I've said before, you cannot change those things. But I tell you what you can change. You. You can change you. You cannot change anyone else, so quit trying to change them. You cannot change your wife, men. Hear me clearly. You, can, you cannot change your wife. And husbands, you know, wives, you cannot change your husbands. No matter what counsel you're getting from your friends or from your mamas, you cannot change your husband. You can't change your boss. You can't change your neighbor. Neighbor's throwing garbage over the fence. He's going to continue to throw garbage over the fence. Deal with it. The only person to change in your life is you. So start working on you and how you can get better instead of bitter. Take time to have some gut level evaluations. Do an inventory in your life. How, you know, ask, answer the question, how is my walk with God? How, is, how are my relationships with my spouse and with my children, with my extended family? How am I at work? It's called a, a, a practical inventory, a, a health inventory, a inventory on your relationships. Do a moral, do a spiritual inventory where you're looking at, you're answering the question, what are the habits, what are the hurts, what are the hang-ups that are messing up my life right now? What are some of the sins and some of the traps that I keep falling into over and over? Take time to figure these things out. Jeremiah writes in Jeremiah 3, verse 40, for the record, I licked my finger and I touched my page, and during the COVID time, I always thought that was funny when I'd see public people lecturing us on health, and you'd see them do this as they were moving stuff around. Anyway, <laughs> verse 40, let us examine our ways and test them, and let us return to the Lord. Jeremiah is saying, take time to examine your life. Take time to test your life. Years ago, I came across some very old practices that have existed for hundreds and hundreds of years to help a believer do some soul searching in an orderly and productive manner. And I regularly take time out to examine my relationships, my priorities, my attitudes, my integrity, my mind. Yes, I look to see, have I finally 
jump the shark and become insane. Yes, I do look at those things often. I look at on a regular basis. How do I handle money and material possessions? I look at how my health is functioning and how I'm relating to my family, how I'm relating to you, to you. I take time to work through these things on a yearly basis. And in some cases, I look at some of these things on a monthly basis because because God implores us to do this hard work. If you would like to see the questions that I use to work through this, you can do one of two things. You can either email me at tturner at mynorthbridge.org and just write me and say, hey, I'd like to look at your inventories you use and I'll email them to you. If you have your app today, there was a message, a push notification that went through that you can just simply hit the button and it'll be an email that you can type in then saying, Tony, send me that information and it will, I'll, I'll get it. If you have no email, if you don't wish to have email, then just come up to me and say, I'd like to see your inventory sometime and I'll, I'll write it down, I'll copy it and I'll put it in snail mail for you to get this week. Uh, that, those are a couple of ways. Those are three ways that you can notify me. And I promise you that this week I will send that list to you for you to use, for you to explore and possibly adopt some of those questions for your own life. As I do these things, I have to expect Jesus to restore my life. We must pray what Jeremiah prayed later on in Lamentations 5 when he prayed, Restore us, O Lord. And bring us back to you again. Give us back the joys we once had. And as we come back to God, we can expect and be confident that he will always, always, always give us back the joy that we once had in our lives. In this moment, would you just bow your heads and let's end this time praying together. Father, I don't know, I don't know all that everybody here in this room is going through. But you do. You do in this moment. No matter what our problems are, God, you are our answer. So in this moment, we turn to you. And we turn in you. And we turn to you through Jesus Christ. In this moment, friends, I would invite you to just take time right now to call out to God. And it might be, your prayer might be as simple as this. God, I need you. God, I turn to you. Your prayer of desperation could be as simple as, God, help me right now. And my promise is, he will hear you. Perhaps there's some of us in this room that you need to just frankly repent. You've been involved in a hurt. You've been involved in a habit of some kind that is destroyed and been incredibly destructive to you, been incredibly destructive to family, to friends, to, to the world around you. And for you, perhaps, your prayer is, God, right now in this moment, I trust you. I trust your word, and I am sorry. I wish to turn my life around and I wish to come back to you. There's some of us maybe in this room, there's some of us that perhaps are just watching, you're exploring the claims of Christ. 
And for you, maybe your prayer right now is, Jesus, I open my life to you. Forgive me, come into me and change me from the inside out. I want to be your child for the rest of my life. I want to be in your family. Perhaps it's just calling upon God and taking him into your life as Lord and as Savior. As we do those things, God is sure to come to our aid. God is sure to take care of his children in a way that only he can. Father, you hear our voices right now. We submit ourselves to you. We yield ourselves and our lives and our families to you and to your hand alone. Help us grow our faith, God, in this. These things we pray in your son's powerful name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Northridge Church Podcast. If you'd like more information about Northbridge Church, you can find us online at mynorthbridge.org.